Hello, friends. Welcome back to the King Gamer Podcast. I'm your host, Tristan. Uh, we have a shorter cast today. It's just me and Ben. How are you doing, dude? I'm very good, thank you. I'm having a cup of tea. Oh, very nice. Very British mm-hmm. of you. Yeah, very to 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 type. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we actually so for our news today, we have some breaking news. Jade Raymond uh, is starting up her own uh, studio today. She was. A huge uh, force in the industry, and we'll get all all that and stuff like that, especially if people don't know about her too much. Um, And then we have some Borderlands casting news for the movie, and then we'll talk about our favorite game studios. Before we get into that, Ben, you have some very exciting news in your gaming personal life. Tell everyone what what, what happened. Um, I just got WRC 9 for Nintendo Switch. No, I'm joking. I got on... On Friday, Saturday, I got delivered a Series X, finally. Uh, I felt behind the curve, especially writing for a video game news outlet yeah. and not owning any next-gen consoles. I was just kind of mainly focused on Switch. And I spent the last 72 hours just staring at video games. <laughs> it's been absolutely excellent. So, two questions. Part one is, what have you been playing on it? And part two, what are your thoughts on the Series X? So, first things first, my internet's rubbish. It took a while to download everything. So, it, what I did was I downloaded Ori uh, and the Will of the Wisps first, because that's 6K super sampled, 120 FPS, which is just, oh no, 60 FPS if you do the 6K, um, which is just insane. And so, I played that while everything was downloading. I've probably played four hours of that, and I think that's really good. I w- it's the type of game I'd never play if it wasn't for Game Pass, because I got uh, the Xbox and All Access. So, I'm playing ori because i can and it's amazing like i love metroidvanias but i got a bit burnt out on them so i'm having a good time with that but then i downloaded assassin's creed valhalla which i haven't played yet because i was waiting for an extra console to do it and that's when i realized how powerful the thing is because it's like a variable 4k 60 fps and it just with hdr as well it just looks amazing and i've I like Assassin's Creed games. I kind of think they look a bit crap. A lot of people say they're beautiful all the time. I thought Odyssey looked a bit rubbish a lot of the time. But there's something here, just everything just looks so good. I just like, I walk in it, I don't run because I'm just staring at everything. (laughs) And I've managed to play about 10 hours of that or maybe 12. I've played a lot. Uh, I'm really into it. I, I love Assassin's Creed games. They're not like big or clever, but they're just really good. Uh, really get, get my, get their hooks into me. And then other than that, not much. I dipped into Red Dead and the 30 FPS was a struggle after playing so much Assassin's Creed. And I never ever had a problem with 30 FPS before. But now I've got that and played a bit of Outer Worlds today because it got updated to 60 FPS. And I've played a lot of that game and playing it again is lovely. Got a bit bored though because I realized I've done absolutely every dialogue option i just kind of have seen all of the game yeah but it looks it looks really really gorgeous especially as the last place i played it was the switch so it's a real upgrade <laughs> i've gone from 2 fps to 60 <laughs> um and other than that uh, i started the first uh, wolfenstein the new order because uh, that's on game pass as well just to check it out i've never played it i've only played wolfenstein oh, 2. really all the new yeah. wolfenstein games outside of youngblood the latest one youngblood i did not like but the all the other ones are, are have been amazing they're so good. yeah i'm really enjoying it i played probably four hours i started it today and yeah it's just 
great fun and the story just is more interesting than i thought it would be oh yeah um, the writing is actually the way really that, good yeah the way the game first presented itself i just thought oh this would be like call of duty and then it does some funny things and it's still it, it knows how stupid it is at the same time as being quite like well written yeah. there's lots of really dumb big guitar riffs and like people in helicopters shooting nazis like it's great fun oh yeah it it's very bombastic but it has such personality it's so likable you know uh mm. it yeah, yeah, it has a very definitive uh, personality to it, and I, I, I thought it was fantastic. But yeah, it's super cool to hear. Like it's as I'm in also the next gen, uh, except I have a PlayStation Five. I have no point to own an Xbox because I have Game Pass on PC, and I'm just like, I know Game Pass on PC versus consoles very um different. Um, which is a critique I have for. I wish it was all the same, you know. Um, but you know what can you do? But uh, yeah, I. I I think the next gen though it's so impressive. Like, I've already been spoiled by 60 FPS, or actually way more than 60 FPS with PC and stuff like that. I think most games oh, I play, yeah. I get I get way over 100 FPS in most games. But 60 FPS, it's like that's the minimum for me. It's like I just I can't do 30. Um, I just beat Spider-Man uh, remastered, and then I just just yesterday I beat Spider-Man Miles Morales, which was fantastic. Um, I already played spider-man um the first one but i just replayed it for my it was my third time i think and playing that game in 60 fps was just like such mm. so incredible i'm like how did i play this game not in 60 fps when it launched you know um yeah it the what i personally for those two games i i played in uh they have performance fidelity and then they also have performance uh ray tracing so you can still get ray tracing while still having 60 fps um there's just some other stuff that just kind of downgraded a little bit i played it in that just because i wanted to enjoy ray tracing and it's like mm. it makes such a huge difference in the lighting and the reflections and all that stuff it's just like yeah. it makes it just so beautiful and um it's just fantastic that's one thing i've been a bit disappointed with is that the fact that nothing has ray tracing other than Watch Dogs legion for the xbox there's oh, nothing really? with it and uh, yeah I, it's not in assassin's Creed. it's not in anything i have at least i, I don't oh, gotcha. it's not it's not like cyberpunk's not been updated yet i'm sure it will have it when it gets updated upgraded but nothing i've come across yet has it uh, maybe some gears of war game does i don't know i'm, I'm not a fan of them i might try it out yeah. it's on game Pass, nothing but you know you've, i mean you've personally have played no, and I was doing, trying to do some research, and all I can find out is that Watch Dogs Legion has it, but I don't really want to play that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, tough, but you, you'll get there eventually. You'll be able to experience it. It's a huge game yeah. changer, though, visually. Um, yeah. I'm just like but constantly my... I was taking screenshots of like games I've been playing, like, and I've yeah. never been that person to take screenshots, and yet I've been taking constantly screenshots. No, I, was, screenshots I was doing that in uh, Forza Horizon 4 as well, which I was playing a bit of. And just everything looks so much better. And 60 FPS in that game makes a world of difference because it's a racing game, obviously. Yeah. It's just so much better. There's some games you just need it, you know, like uh, playing through, I talked about this like a week or two ago on the podcast, but like playing through Demon Souls, you know, and it's like a game like that, that's so challenging. You just need every single second, you know, to make decisions mm. and stuff like that, you know, and it, it's a huge difference and it's just been fantastic and yeah, yeah, I'm super happy with the next gen. Like, I think the PS5 is just absolutely incredible. It's such a beast. I love it. Yeah, the reason I dove in on the Xbox is one because of the all-access system. I already paid for Game Pass. I thought it's good value there, 
And I, I also like the main thing in my head was I already like the way it looks. So I'm not going to want to upgrade when they bring out the half step. Whereas with the PlayStation, like, I genuinely, I, do, I can't have something that big in my house. Like you can probably see my room's really tiny. Yeah. You live and in there's a closet, something in dude. my, yeah. And there's, there's something in my brain that's like, in two, three years when they release the PS5 Slim or the PS5 Pro or whatever it is that makes it look nicer, all I'm going to think is, oh, I should have got that. And you're not when those consoles come out, loads of people are selling their own consoles so the market's flooded, the prices aren't as good as you want them to be. So I think, even though I, I'm really jealous of anyone who's playing Demon's Souls and I'm not, I think I'm just going to wait on it because I think the Xbox is more of an all-rounder in terms of Game Pass. Like, I can play all the indie games that I love. There's so many indie games I normally would pay like 10 quid on Switch for that I can just now get there. And because I don't have a PC and I don't really have a place to put a PC either as well, which is kind of the key. It's like, I think it's the best option for me, even though I think the PS5 is a better console because it's got the games. But I just can't kind of rationalize getting something that massive and something I think is quite ugly. I'm everyone's has their own opinion of course but i i really just can't stand the way it looks i love the way it looks <laughs> and is it ugly absolutely it's ugly but i i i love it that it's ugly you know i just i i just think it's so charming and uh mm. so kind of weird looking i just i i i really like it i think the series x is just super bland and whatnot and just like i just don't really care mm. about the look of it not that to me i don't really care about the look of the console i just want to play really good games and that's why i got yeah. the playstation i love playstation's exclusives and also it's just like i can't miss out on a new spider-man game spider-man's my super favorite superhero i'm obsessed with spider-man and then also ratchet and clank comes out this summer and i just We'll get into Insomniac, actually. Speaking of Spider-Man and Ratchet and Clank, as they are one of my favorite game studios. I said this before, I think like last week, maybe the week before on the podcast, too. Um, which is actually, I will just say right now, the inspiration of why I want to talk about my, our favorite game studios is because of uh, my love for Insomniac and playing through Spider-Man Remastered and Spider-Man Miles Morales. And then I'm going to try and hopefully, unless someone beats me to it, I'm calling it uh, a King Gamer, try and review Ratchet and Clank because it's just like, I just, I think it looks incredible and I can't wait to play it. But uh, mm. yeah, I'm super happy. I'm super excited to see like where things go um, forward and uh, yeah, welcome, uh, welcome to the next on my gen. End. Like, especially on my end, I can't wait for Xbox to actually put some games out because that's really exciting because so many of the devs I love, like, but they're, they're years away. So it's nice to be in on the ground floor, but when that comes, I'll be a very, be much, much happier. But in it's terms an of investment, like, you know, you'll get there. My, yeah. My three days with it, my review is it's exactly what I want it to be. It nice. upgrades all the games I already own. And like, you know, quick resume. I didn't know this. I unplugged the console and then I plugged it back in and it launched Assassin's Creed exactly where I was. No load That's screens. Wild. It had stored it in the quick resume system. And I'd unplugged it. I, I was like, did, I, did I, I? I thought I hadn't unplugged it. And then I was like, I, ha I definitely have. I've moved it. I know the quick replay system. I like, I know about that, but I didn't know it worked if you want. Um, that's wild. Mm. That's yeah, crazy. So I, I opened that and Ori, and they were still exactly where they were. Exactly where they were? Exactly. Like Assassin's Creed took four seconds and I was oh, on wow. the menu I, screen in my inventory. I don't inventory. get that either because my PlayStation, I, uh, I was on literally like the final moment of Spider-Man Morales and the game broke. So I had to 
and my oh, console no. wouldn't turn off so i had to unplug it and plug it back in and it restarted me at the last checkpoint which was like i had to go through a whole big boss fight or whatever oh, and I, was, so I was a little annoyed but you know it's not the biggest deal in the world i get to had this super epic boss battle with like you know neon lights flying everywhere and fire and like all this stuff mm. it's beautiful looking and super epic and like it's awesome so it wasn't the biggest deal in the world but it doesn't do that you know um that's that's good to know oh wow that's yeah. that's really it's impressive not, it's not life change it's not life changing but it's just exciting yeah and also it's... like if i've played for like four hours of assassin's creed and i'm just like i can't do this anymore playing like half an hour of ori without any loading and just going straight in and then going back and things like that it's the, it's the way i play games so i quite like that but it, it is a tiny kind of quality of life I'd, I'd much rather have demon souls than quick resume yeah yeah but hey dude fast reloading also just by the way though it's just like life-changing like oh yeah so playing through the first wolfenstein there is no loading times because obviously it's such an old game maybe three seconds if you die maybe yeah. five if you load into a new level it's insane uh did so did you play um the insomniac's 2018 spider-man you no i didn't that, you didn't play it there's no. a ton of loading screens in that game. It's ridiculous. Like mm. you do one thing and then it loads and then you do another thing and then it loads. Yeah. It's, it's just a plethora. There's either no loading screens or it fades to black for literally, I'm not joking, one to two seconds. Then you're back into the mm. game. It's nuts. It's just, it's so game changing. Yeah. There's lots of uh, people writing on the internet about how, you know, loading screen tips are dead and it's true. I don't know what to do in Wolfenstein because I can't read the tips. <laughs> yeah. Or it's just like you have a brief set. You're, you're, you know, like, I don't know about you, but it's like when it goes to load, I usually just check Twitter or whatever, you know, but it's yeah. like, no, you, you don't do that. You're constantly gaming. And it's like, yeah, God, it's great. I'm so happy. Yeah. It, mean, it means I've not really looked away from a screen for two, two or three days though. So <laughs> yeah. Maybe well, not the healthiest way. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's fair. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Super happy that you're a part of this. Congratulations on your Series oh, X. I also, today, got the new headset. Oh, what do you think of that? Microsoft headset. I think it's really good. Uh, over here, it's like £80, £90. Okay. Um, it's a bit too bassy for my liking, but you can edit all that in the menu. It sounds great. It works with Dolby Atmos or DTS or Windows Sonic, if you want to do the free one. And it sounds great. It's easy to connect. Works really well. I mean... For the price, I think it's really good. I'm yeah, sure I, I didn't hear anything is... about it. Like I knew about it, obviously, but I yeah. just didn't know like like what people thought or whatever. So, oh, well, there you go, yeah. audience. You have a positive review of the new uh, headset. And if people want to get that, they should go get that. Mm, I give it a 9 out of 10. <laughs> Solid review. There you go. Um, so let's get into our first news story because breaking news as of literally this morning, Jade Raymond, who uh, wrote a whole uh, post on the PlayStation blog, and people probably know her because she's the founder of Ubisoft Toronto and Motive Studios. And um, as of just a couple, like a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, something like that, we talked about on the podcast actually, like not that long ago, that she left Stadia when they announced they closed all these, um, all their studios and development teams and stuff like that because Stadia's uh, dumpster fire. Um, she announced that she's starting her own studio called Haven Entertainment, and they'll be working on a unannounced IP for PlayStation. And people can go on the PlayStation blog read about you know her story and 
uh, that she talked about, like about loving video games, wanting to stay working with the industry and starting this company and all that stuff and whatnot. But super cool. Um, she's a like we were talking about this before we starting the podcast is just like she's such a force in this industry and it's like just like even just reading out like that she's like founded this company and that company and then she was at stadia and then she went to do this it's just like just man she's just unstoppable and it's really incredible um ben what's what's your thoughts i'm really really happy for her i know i don't know her personally but this seems like a much nicer more positive move than either being at ea motive or being at stadia because technically at least from what i can tell she's not put out a game in five years uh, with her on it since uh watchdogs maybe was that 2015 Something um like that. yeah and she so she was at ea motive working on the star wars game they canned it and then she went to stadia and they canned her studio there and now she's finally back with playstation who seem to look after their devs properly i um i mean she birthed the assassin's creed series which is exceptional uh, even though it's had its ups and downs it is kind of you know one of the biggest and best and most blockbustery things in games and i don't know it'd just be nice to see her work on something that isn't thrown away um, <laughs> and have some yeah. have some uh what I assume is like people trusting her a bit more, maybe. I don't know why people make the decisions to throw away games. I'm sure there's lots involved, but I feel like time and money is needed. And if someone's there to give it to her and the team she builds, I'm sure they can make something exceptional. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's for PlayStation, it's like they've just been killing it in the last like, like what, like seven, eight years since, the, you know, whenever the, playstation 4 came out and stuff like that they've had this whole like single player story driven focus and whatnot and they've just been crushing it you know constantly um we just talked about some of the games that they've been crushing it with you know demon souls and mm-hmm. miles morales and stuff like that and it's just like them just giving her the resources that she needs to do this game and stuff like that whatever this ends up being um god knows what when we'll actually be able to hear about this it's probably going to be a, quite a while before we hear anything about it but super exciting and like you said she's had um some downs recently with her career and stuff like that you just can't control things and whatnot um that's what happens when you work with uh google and ea and stuff like that you know it's, it's unfortunate mm. but yeah it's it's great to have some positive news uh so she w- just waking up and scrolling through twitter and seeing that i go oh well that's a podcast topic and um yeah it's fantastic congratulations to her and i just i'm super excited to see what she uh what she comes out with um and i'll be playing it on my ps5 i guarantee it so there mm-hmm. you go what what do you think it, what, what sort of thing do you think it will be given her history that's so interesting I have zero ideas, honestly. I I really do. What, do you have so, any ideas or wish lists? Oh, not not really. Maybe guesses. In my mind, so we don't really know what she was doing at Stadia, do we? Oh, at least I don't. I've not read anything about it. But uh, before that, knows? she was doing it's this... it's Stadia. They they would say something, <laughs> and then, yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever. She was working on a match three puzzle game for three years. No wonder they can't sort it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but before that, she was working with was it? It was Amy Hennig and her on the Star Wars game, as far as I remember it. Yeah, Amy Hennig's Uncharted, right? Yeah, yeah. So she was working on an Uncharted esque Star Wars game as the you know uh, 
after heading up things like Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed, all I can imagine is an opening up of an Uncharted, which is the only issue I've ever had with Uncharted is is its lack of kind of openness and its feeling of kind of being on rails. Sometimes I want it to breathe a bit more. And in my mind, that's like the perfect kind of blockbuster. I think Assassin's Creed is often too big, too open, too aimless. And then things like Uncharted are a bit too linear, a bit too focused. So we, I want a bit of breath in them, a bit like Dark Souls or something. You know, Dark Souls is not an open world. You know where you're going. Yeah. There's just like, you feel like it's an open world. You feel like there's space. I'm sure there's other examples, but if they're working on a massive blockbuster like that, that'd be really impressive. But it might also be nice to see something small, like a, a in the way like Hellblade was just a really small, well-told story. Like... I don't know. I feel like the name Haven Studios just, it, it made me think of, I don't know why it's just the name, but it just made me think, oh, maybe they're making something smaller, less kind of, this will take five years and it will be a centerpiece. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think just because of her history, that might be, all, it, even if it's not like necessarily triple A, but maybe like double A, you know, um, mm. like you mentioned with Hellblade, Hellblade is more kind of like a double A type of game, you know? Um, with like its graphical fidelity and the acting and like all that stuff but it is overall a smaller game you know um yeah i think it'd be super cool and knowing just playstation it's probably gonna be something story driven and whatnot um either way uh i'm super excited i think it'll be awesome yeah me too and for our second and last story we have more casting news for the borderlands movie i have an article pulled up from ign by jo- joe scrubbles i hope i'm saying your last name right it's yeah, a it's, weekly it's thing of me butchering people's names um but so Haley bennett she was in last year um a movie last year called the devil all the time with bill skarsgård and tom holland pretty good movie i i liked it it's on it's on netflix people want to check it out um so she'll be a brand new unnamed character who's connected to lilith who's going to be played by kate blanchett who's always amazing um and this is kind of goes in the long line of like the crazy cast that this movie has because it's jamie lee curtis as dr tannis jack black as Claptrap, which is so perfect. Kevin Hart as an ex-soldier turned mercenary type of character. Uh, and then uh, Ariana Greenblatt. I don't know who that is. Uh, is Tiny Tina and uh, Florian Montu uh, as Tina's Tiny Tina's uh, protector. I'm not too sure who that is. Um, it's going to be directed by Eli Roth, who did the Hostel movies, a bunch of other horror movies and stuff like that. Um, Avi and Ari mm-hmm. Arad will, um, from Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse will be working on it. And um, also Craig Mazin, who did uh, the HBO series Chernobyl and The Last of Us will also be attached to it. So um, it's just absolutely wild of a uh, of a cast. Um, uh, Kevin Hart's playing Roland. That's why I was I. Quoted what IGN wrote, but I'm like, it's it's rolling right, and then I'll, I just googled it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, yeah, that, that is right. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, what what do you what do you think about this? You know, the casting and you know all this stuff and whatnot that that's coming out about this movie. I think it's just kind of hilarious. Um, there's some really good people tied to like the behind the scenes stuff, into the Spider Verse, Chernobyl, H, uh, HBO stuff on there, like good writers and producers and things and then the cast like Kate Blanchett and Jamie Lee Curtis two of my favorites I absolutely love They're them both Jack fantastic yeah. is exceptional Kevin Hart feels like the odd one out in there 
Because yeah, like Jack Black and Kevin Hart together makes sense, but then Kate Blanchett and Jamie Lee Curtis, there feels like a clash there. But we'll see how it works. Yeah, and I just I'm don't sure see him as Roland. You know, I just I think that's the big I'm thing. Not, which, who's Hart. Roland? I've played I've played the first two Borderlands. Which, He's which like a be? tough military dude and whatnot. He's kind of like one of the like the leaders of their whole like little group and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, I do not remember. I. I did not play He's, those games for the story. Let me tell you. Oh, <laughs> uh, really? Oh, the story. I, I uh, think the writing in those games are great. I, I, Borderlands is one of my favorite franchises of all time. Actually, I love the Borderlands yeah. universe and like all those games. Um, my only worry though is because it's like having the Spider Verse guys attached to this movie is brilliant. Like I said, Kate Blanchett is amazing as always. Jamie Lee Curtis is awesome too. Um, some of these other actors I'm not too uh, familiar with and stuff like that, like the Florian guy or whatever. I think he's like, he's in like Creed 2 and he's going to be in Shang-Chi, the new uh, Marvel movie that comes out this summer. Um, but other than that, he's not much of an actor, it seems like. Um, and I like Jack Black too. Um, I think a lot of his stuff he does is not good, but I do like him though. <laughs> He's, um, he's think, always good, even if the film's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's very dedicated to the roles mm. he plays. And I think him as Claptrap is brilliant casting. I just think Eli Roth sucks. <laughs> just He just makes bad movies. I've, I don't um, think I've ever seen an Eli Roth film. I don't think so. He makes just a lot of bad horror movies. This is, that's all you need to know. It's makes just, horror. Yeah, he's more of a horror That's guy. interesting, then. He did yeah, um, the Hostel movies. How... He did, a few years ago, a movie called uh, Green Inferno. He did Cabin Fever. He's done a ton of horror stuff. That's what he's best known for, yeah. I've never heard of any of those films, but um, it'll be interesting to see if that comes into the film. I don't think it will, from the look no, of the cast. I doubt it. I'd be shocked. Um, like, I, I love the Borderlands games, too. I just I don't remember anything that happens in them. From all accounts, the tales from the Borderlands Telltale uh, game is supposed to be great. So I'm sure that really good stories can be told and memorable stories can be told in there, at least memorable for me. So I look forward to seeing it happen. But the thing is, it's, it's been a year since it was announced and it's just this shopping list of famous people. Yeah. And I, you... I understand it's it's been a weird year. But in yeah. my mind, when I see these things happen with films, it's the type of film that doesn't get made for seven years. I just feel like that's what happens with these things. So we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it gets on, but yeah. I, I'm not putting, you know, too much. I, I'm not that interested in it until I get a trailer, basically. I yeah, see I just, how it all pans out. Yeah, especially since it's such a stylistic thing. I'm like, mm. is it live action? Is it going to be animated? You know, like, what are they doing with that? Because a big part of Borderlands is the self-stated art style, you know? So I'm like, if you lose that, then what do you have? You just have a quirky action movie, you know? Yeah, I mean, they would have to push into that kind of Mad Max hyper-real aesthetic with, like, really garish colours and lots of dust. Yeah. Like, Mad Max looked amazing, and it would definitely work for Borderlands, but I still feel like it, w it would be impossible to get the iconic Borderlands style into a live-action thing. I just can't imagine it happening. Yeah. Yeah, I... I don't know. I, we'll see. I know um, one of the writers, um, Aaron Berg. He's I like. I'm looking up on IMDb, and he's literally this is the first thing he's ever done that's listed on there. But Craig mm. Mazin writing it, you know, it's like he has a history with um, all sorts of different genres. You know, like whether it's dramas like Chernobyl, or he he's done he's worked on the Hangover movie, so he's done comedies mm. before. He's done action. He's done 
a little bit of everything. So it's like, I think we're, we should be okay. You know, um, at least in terms yeah. of the writing standpoint, like, I don't know. There's, it's weird because it's like you look at one point of this of this project and you go, that's really promising. And you look at another point and go, oh, yikes, that might be bad, yeah. you know? So now I think um, Craig Mazin is a big video game guy. He, he's on the record for being into his video games and he's now working on Last of Us and Borderlands. I think all that a video game TV show or movie needs is that a writer cares about video games because lots of video game film writing is just like i don't know really boilerplate not very like of the style director obviously has a big sway over things but if a script's bad there's not like the script has to be good yeah especially for borderlands which is such a delicate line between just embarrassing toilet humor and funny toilet humor like it treads that line really carefully i a lot of the times the I think tone is either going to be way. too much. Like they just need it. It's a very fine line. Cause even for mm-hmm. like, I love the borderlands games, but there's some jokes in the borderlands games or some like side mm-hmm. quests or whatever that just really don't hit at all. And there's time, especially in that first one. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, I just was replaying through, I didn't please play. I didn't beat it, but I replayed through a good chunk of the third game. And it's like, man, sometimes it just goes a little too much, you know? Mm. Um, so I just, I don't know. And also video game adaptions generally got awful, you know? Um, we uh, have Mortal Kombat have we, soon. but Have we had a good one yet? No, we have I mean, not, no. Detective Pikachu, everybody was like, this is great. It is like a 6 out of 10. It's a, it's a fine film, but I think the I, thing I with video games... But also, I don't count that as a video game movie. I know Pokemon's really big in video games, but there's also because the anime and the cards and yeah. stuff like that. Like, it's not like its soul is in video games you know like it's it's branched out so much there's so much other stuff with it so it's hard to really like use that but i mean like it's like something it's like it this has only been a video game like the last of us it's like this is a there's i know there is a comic you know uh, from the last of us but you know no one really it's you think of last of us and it's like that's a video game you think of borderlands that's a video game so like a direct video game adaption i don't think has been done really well done like i think the the mortal Kombat movie looks awesome but is it gonna be a eight or nine no it's probably gonna be like a six or seven probably yeah. and that's fine you know that's not a problem Completely. it's still gonna be higher if it reached a six it'd be higher than every other video game movie you know <laughs> um and i like the resident evil movies the live action ones they're so bad but there's they're fun popcorn movies but i want a legit good movie and i hope hope borderlands can be that especially since i love the property i love the universe i love these characters so much so hopefully if not i'll be getting a great performance from kate blanchett and jamie lee curtis and some of the other actors and that'll be fine yeah i feel like jamie lee curtis is such a powerful actor that she can't make a she has to make the film a lot better just like watching her on screen is so great in anything And I just recently rewatched Thor Ragnarok and Kate Blanchett just crushes oh. in that movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I saw, um, I can't remember, it was some David Fincher movie that she did too. And she was just absolutely just so captivating in that film and stuff like that. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, she's she's awesome. So fingers crossed, but uh, my expectations, incredibly low, <laughs> unbelievably low. So we'll see we'll 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 get there whenever it comes out god knows 
when it will even be able to see this thing but yeah, hopefully as, as soon as it's on netflix i'll watch it let's put it that way <laughs> on netflix gotcha I'm, I'm never going to the cinema for a video game film I, until they're all good i'm not bothering <laughs> yeah i i don't blame you but let's get to our main topic of the day our favorite game studios and this is just something like i like i mentioned like i was just replaying uh spider-man and spider-man miles morales um is just like i'm like man insomniac is such a wonderful studio and like that's what i want to lead off with is just like i love insomniac for their games because it's like they're so stylish and they're so like when we talk about tone for borderlands being too much sometimes but their tone like they just they hit it perfectly you know um another one of my favorite games from them i talked about this last week was uh, sunset overdrive and it's like that game is like a little bit more mature than um like Ratchet and Clank or Spider-Man and stuff like that. It's more like I think like it's more in like the realm of like Borderlands meets kind of Deadpool-ish in a way in terms of like its humor and tone and stuff like that. And it's just like it's fantastic. But also as games, I always when I think of Insomniac, I always think of like really fluid movement, really stylish looking graph graphics and like an art style. And really clever writing and like literally like spider-man uh, sunset and ratchet and clank all have those qualities and i just like i just think they're fantastic dude i feel bad i've unless it's like a really old ps2 ratchet game i've not played any of the spider-mans well i've i played a bit of the first one but it was at a friend's house so it doesn't count um i've never played sun's overdrive which you told me i should last week and i i was gonna download it and then i ran out of space because i wanted to download uh skyrim again <laughs> don't worry you'll, you'll get there eventually it's on game pass I, you have all the time the i world. will get there eventually but yeah i feel like insomniac's just a big blind spot for me i'm sure i'll get around to it but i there's something about spider-man i love spider-man as a character yeah i just when it came out i didn't want to play it and then i sold my ps4 and i'm still not that interested i don't know what it is like I love the Arkham games and every time I see Arkham Knight on Game Pass, I just like, I don't really want to play that. So maybe I'm just on a superhero, you know, diet for now. Yeah. I feel like the day I get back into Insomniac is going to be like three months of playing everything, especially oh, yeah. if the new Ratchet and Clank is as good as it looks. I think I and could, it looks like, tremendous, dude. It looks yeah. like, oh my God, it looks just yeah, that- absolutely insane. From everything I hear, I know that it'd be something to fall in love with. I just, it's a daunting task when they've made so many great games. Yeah, that, that's fair. Hey, you'll you'll get there eventually. And well, <laughs> it's like you don't have a PS5, and they're like, the, like a, as of a few years ago, they got bought by PlayStation. Now that they're, yeah. and honestly, they should have been bought by PlayStation forever ago. Since like what the only Xbox game they have is Sunset. You know, everything else has been PlayStation exclusives. Um, I remember when they announced that Sunset was going to be an Xbox exclusive. I'm like, why is Insomniac making an Xbox game? You know, <laughs> I think that's why it's a big so many bag people, of money. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people just didn't play that, or like it's on a lot of people's radars. A lot of people don't remember that game because mm. of that, you know, because it was in a time where Xbox was not very um, well respected, you know, like they just <laughs> they, they were in a, kind of a rut, yeah. you know, like if that game was a PlayStation exclusive, people were looking at that as like one of the best PlayStation exclusives. Mm-hmm. but um yeah what about you what what's a what's a studio that you really love well, i'm trying to think should i do big or small first so i think i'm going to start small and get bigger because then if you decide to mention it that's 
good news. But the first one I was thinking is an indie studio. Uh, where are they from? Uh, from Sweden, called Image and Form, who okay. have made five Steam World games and one game called Ant Hill. I've never played Ant Hill, but I have played four of the five Steam World games. That's Steam World Dig, Steam World Heist, Steam World Dig Two, and Steam World Quest: Hand of Gilgamesh, and they are the most perfect little indie games. SteamWorld Quest 1 and 2 are Metroidvanias where you are digging, you're mining, you're picking things up, you're exploring. It's got this kind of steampunk vibe, but everybody's bugs. It's kind of cute. Looks a bit like a Flash game, but it is really quite pretty. But both those games, especially SteamWorld uh, Dig 2, just had the most perfect loop of, you know, you dig, you search for things, you find a new quest line, and then you go back and you spend it. And if you go too deep, you're going to lose it because you'll die. And it's that exact Metroidvania thing. It's, But it's just the perfect... Like SteamWorld Dig 2 is like one of the best Metroidvanias I think I've ever played. It really, really exceptional. Knowing how they... much of a Switch guy you are and seeing like like the art style and stuff like that, I do think of like a, like a Switch type of game and stuff like that, which yeah. I, see, I, I see like almost all these games are on the Switch, it looks like. Yeah, um, so I played the, I played all the Steam Mod games on Switch. Yeah, they look super stylish and beautiful and whatnot. I just I've never heard of any of this before. I can't. Yeah, so when the Switch came out, it was one of there were Steam World Dig Two was quite early on there, maybe the first six months, and that was a period of time where any Switch owner, just because I think a lot of people loved the console, was diving in on a lot of games just based on recommendations. And I I remember when I started playing that every night. For like two hours instead of reading a book i'd sit and i'd play steam or dig it felt like a, such a nice routine and it was so sad when it ended and then when it ended i went back and played steam or dig one and then i went back to steam or dig two again because <laughs> i just couldn't stop playing the games um and then they moved away from that metroidvania well before steam or dig two they did heist which didn't come to the switch till later so i didn't play it till later but it's like a turn-based kind of tactics you could say XCOM. I think it's a bit more like Worms, but it's just great uh, tactics game. And then they did SteamWorld Quest, which is a card battler. And the thing, the consistent thing with all these games is that they're really brilliant examples of the genre, like nine out of 10 examples, all in this universe, all made by this one studio within five years. Uh, I don't know. I just think from their uh, track record, they're going to do amazing things. They're currently working on a game called The Gunk, which I think was announced. Yeah, it was announced at an Xbox event, I believe. Um, and it's 3D, so I think that's probably going to take them longer to make, obviously. But I, I don't know. Um, I don't know anything about it, really. I don't think anybody does know about it. Huh. It looks super cool, though. It's apparently it's scheduled to release this year. Is it? Oh, I'm looking it okay. up. Yeah, at least that's what I see. But it looks super yeah. stylish and looks really pretty. Huh. Yeah, uh, after how much fun I've had with the, the, the developers' games, um, I think they're known as Thunderfall now. They're kind of all integrated together under one name, but I'm sure it's the same people. After the amount of fun I've had with their games, um, I just trust that it's going to be just as good. Huh. This is not my real at all, but now it is. So, cool. If, to, if, you, if you like Metroidvanias, pick up one of the SteamWorld digs. They're, they're on everything, and SteamWorld Dig 2 is just perfect. Really, really, really good. Interesting. Oh, good. Good to know. Hey, uh, I have something uh, new on my radar. 
that'll be on my to-do list like how you playing literally anything from insomniac is on your to-do list <laughs> my my list of games i should play is so so long it's just too many people need to stop making good games Oh, I, yeah, I, I've seen those posts all the time from people I follow in the industry who are like, <laughs> hey, um, could we stop making games for like just like a couple months just so I could <laughs> eliminate some of my backlog and then we can get going, you know? Yeah, I, I yeah. totally I totally feel that. There's some games I'm looking at right now on my PC. I'm like, damn, I need to play that <laughs> one day. Yeah. The, the next, next few, then? Um, I was going to mention, and I think you mentioned really big and then you went small thinking i was gonna call it out so i want to take a guess because this is on my list i wonder if this was the big stew you were hinting at were you gonna mention rockstar yeah there you go hey i feel i feel so good about myself i called that out (laughs) they've it's been such a big part of my life has been playing their games you know um I don't particularly care for the online related things that they do. I just, I think GTA Online is super boring. I played a good chunk of it when it came out. And then I played a good chunk of Red Dead 2 Online. Again, it's fun. It's cool. But like, it doesn't grab me. It's just like, to me, it's like Rockstar's best was single player driven games. Like their writing is like top tier. And then also they just have awesome open world stuff with really cool gameplay mechanics and like, it's just like, man, they're just like a top tier studio with what they make. And Red Dead 2 is one of the most impressive video games ever made. It's just like, it's so beautiful and it's so massive. And it's like, how do you have this quality of a game for this gigantic of a world? And it's just like, and it's not even like a next gen thing. It, this That came out in last gen. Of course, it's on PC mm. too. And, you know, but in terms of consoles, it's like, I was playing that on my PS4 when the PS4 Pro when it came out, and I'm like, "How is this even running at all?" Mm. It's just yeah, magnificent. No, I think the key with Rockstar is the same. Same for me is like they've been such a part of my life. Like I remember when I was 12, 10, 11, I don't know. I remember torrenting GTA 4 and getting it running on my compact laptop. This is a laptop that cost me 150 pounds <laughs> 10 years ago. Uh, and somehow running it and it looks like shit and being so excited because like my parents didn't let me play GTA obviously because GTA was always the big bad yeah so in my head GTA was like the most exciting thing and I remember on my DS always wanting GTA Chinatown stories which is a top-down game but always wanting it my parents being like no you can't play GTA and it's all these memories of it and then like the first time I played GTA 5 and I switched characters and then you start doing it on the fly like that is still really, really impressive a feature. Like it's yeah. so, so impressive. Especially that and... came out on the 360 PS3 era, yeah. and it's like, like damn, they're, they're always pushing boundaries. But I think like the moment that when I realized that I just, I always thought, wow, these guys make great games. I never played the online stuff. Didn't really didn't have any interest. But when the same thing with me for Red Dead, when it came out, not only is it still the most beautiful thing you can play, really, I think it's just gorgeous. The the consistent quality for such a massive world, just you don't get that in open world games of that size. You just find yeah. problems. You, the, the thing is just completely drenched in polish and every inch of it has something to do. And someone just says something or an animal, there's something weird left somewhere. 
and it's just such a believable realistic world there's problems in terms of maybe if somebody wants a gamey game in in red dead but if yeah. you just want to be a cowboy and take your time with it it is just yeah like, kind of like the survival stuff it's it's a very tedious game i see why it turned yeah. people off but like it's such a masterpiece and i th- i thought it was incredible and i loved my time with it you know mm. and uh yeah it's like they always they push the boundaries you know they, i think they they really help push the industry forward because they always innovate you know like it's an event when they come out of the game especially now since like what in the last decade they've come out with two games you know or whatever do you remember in um 2017 when they announced red dead just by tweeting a photo yeah. with the red background and the sunset and four cowboys oh, yeah. that was just the most exciting day because I, I remember seeing it and thinking Oh my god! Red- oh yeah, Red Dead One like was huge, and when I was a kid as well. Uh, it's easy to forget the Rockstar how many great games like Red Dead One as well. GTA Four is amazing. La Noire, Red Dead Two, GTA Five, yeah, and then everything that came before me. I remember I dipped into San Andreas, GTA Three, and Vice City, all brilliant. But when there's GTA Five, I may as well play GTA Five. Like, yeah, they just have such a amazing record. Yeah, I wish I mean- they'd do Sorry, something a bit. I, I wish they'd do something a bit new, maybe just something to take us off guard. Yeah. But also, I wouldn't mind if they just made GTA Six, then Red Dead Three. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't really care if that happened. Yeah, I wouldn't really care either. I would like a new IP though, because it's been so long. But at the same time, it's like I've been playing their games forever, like my literally my whole life. Because unlike mm-hmm. you, I was allowed to play GTA actually as a kid. Like, I'm that was like one of the first few games I ever played was GTA. Excuse me. Um. GTA Vice, Vice City or 3. I played both of them a lot, though, on the original Xbox, actually, and PlayStation mm-hmm. 2. I know I had one on PlayStation 2 and I had one on Xbox. I can't remember. I think it was, I think I had Vice City on Xbox and 3 on PS2, I think. Um, but so I was playing those games, so I was way too young, like <laughs> five, six, seven, or whatever, mm-hmm. however old I was. I was a little kid. Um, and it's like, man, I just love their games. Bully is also like a fantastic game. It's, does it gets a lot of love but i still think that game deserves even more love just because it's so good mm. and supposedly they're gonna like there's been talks about them making a sequel god knows if they'll yeah, ever do it i remember that i remember when the, there were like kind of stirrings about that i was thinking i still never played bully it's set in england as well it's set in an english school isn't it no it's is american it? is it american oh for some reason i thought it was english oh well <laughs> the reason i was gonna say that is because all i've ever wanted rockstar to do was do the kind of massive polished treatment they do to the city, but do it to London or do it to Manchester or something more interesting than London. I, I feel like I'd love to see my country represented because every time I like GTA five just feels like it's real. And, and I, as hope. someone who lives in California and has been to LA multiple times, it feels so much like LA. Like they, mm. they really do capture cities and it would be cool yeah, if they branched out to like it's just like new york and la it's like they've just been done so many times it'd be cool for them mm-hmm. to really capture um somewhere else you know uh, yeah. especially if and it's a city the... that's not really been done in video games that often or mm-hmm. ever oh, after the few years that this country's had as well they're, they're ripe for some satire and comedy just oh, like yeah. America's been made fun of a lot, it's now our turn to be taken the piss out of because <laughs> we're definitely in the shitter. <laughs> yeah, there, there's you know satirical um, outlet of G- with GTA. It's just like it's brilliant. You know, it's like mm. it's like 
it's of course it's not as raunchy as South Park, but it is essentially the South Park equivalent that we have with video games, with the social commentary and mm-hmm. this the satire and stuff like that that GTA has, and it's just so brilliant. Like GTA Five, it's like it's still so relevant, you know. Um, and um, I did feel like by GTA Five, I felt a bit tired of it though. You know what I mean? I felt like it was a, uh, it was like, I just it, it almost felt like I was expecting every joke and every kind of person Mm -hmm. and like they they kind of they build an archetype and they tear it down or they just make a poster that's like the real world but a bit funnier and i love that but i think i kind of i want them to flex their muscles a bit in a in a surprising way once again like i just remember how it's surprising old rockstar games were and like red dead was so surprising because it wasn't anything like red dead one really yeah it was a really unique open world. I just, they have to do that with GTA 6. If they just were to do a prettier GTA 5, I think a lot of people would think this is being done. We get these jokes. Like, yeah, there is something, especially I find like when the world is so genuinely horrible, yeah. <laughs> like it's less like satire now. Maybe they could try their hand at something. I don't know, something a bit cleverer maybe because I love it. I love GTA 5's comedy, but I couldn't have a whole nother game of that, especially after the last decade we've had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I would like just to see them just kind of flex their muscles, like you said, and just try to do something different, uh, whether it's a new IP or, you know, like maybe a bully too, and then do something kind of innovative with that and stuff like that, you know. Would be LA really Noir cool. too. LA Noir like too, that. yes. Yeah. Oh my God, yes. That would be so, that'd be amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think like, at least with Red Dead, at least they were able to kind of like kind of blend having a really ser- like the seriousness with some humor and stuff like that. I think the tone of that it, it mm. it's it has like some hallmarks of what Rockstar's comedy is, but it also it feels different enough from GTA, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would like to see them do something that feels different while still being Rockstar. Um, I which yeah. is a di- I know it's a difficult balance to uh, to hit, but uh, it would be great to see them. It would just be see- great to see them make consistent games because they used to really make games pretty consistent, like every couple of years. And now it's like, man, we've had Red Dead Two, GTA Five, and that's it. And that's that's been the last like eight years, you know, yeah, or so. And it's yeah. like, it, it, but they are it making feels money. Like and that's they've... why. That's why. We haven't really seen much. Yeah, true. They've clearly like scaled up so massively, like most studios have, um, to make these massive, really detailed games. Because obviously, just making assets now takes so much longer. And I feel like recently they, you know, rebuilt or revamped their working culture to try and stop crunching things. Yeah, you, or just you never know. This is just me. They've had like. You know, yeah, like all sorts of like horrific abuse stories and yeah, like beyond mm. what crunch is, you know, it's like, yeah, I know they, cause I remember it was like an, an article back when Jason Schreier was still at Kotaku, he wrote an article around the time when, um, it was either 2018, I think it was around, I think it was 2018 cause I think it was around the time of Red Dead 2, I believe, but I remember he much, came out with an article yeah. and then like, a few, like a month, few months to a year later, things radically changed at that studio, um, at Rockstar. Especially, I know their yeah. Carlsbad studio, the one in uh, that's that's for you because I don't know if you know where Carlsbad is. That's in San Diego area. Um, okay. Um, 
that I know that students especially had a major toxicity issues and stuff like that. So they've had a lot to to work with. And also why make games when GTA makes you hundreds of millions of dollars a year, you know, it's like Yeah. I mean if they if they turn around and say we're not gonna crunch you, it would now take ten years to make Red Dead three instead of seven. Hopefully people start turning around and saying, well, why don't we work on this smaller project? It will only take two years. It won't make as much money, but it will reinvigorate us as an artistic outlet because like they've always been imaginative. And I feel like there must be some amazing writers and amazing designers there who might get a bit bored. And if, if they're given the chance to just some space, yeah. do something small. Because like games are so massive now, you, like I, I don't know what it, maybe it's just me ranting like an old man, but I do feel like there's some amazing creativity that just gets lost in this shuffle of like corporate nonsense. And Rockstar's definitely uh, going to be a culprit to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that like any major company is gonna like has to face like it's tough. To, it's a tough part of like any um, entertainment industry is to balance the. Uh, that those two sides the business and the creative mm. aspects of it it's always going to be at war with itself you know yeah and it's all about getting the right leaders to kind of try and find that balance as much as they can so i don't know whatever it is though whatever rockstar comes out with i don't care what it is i'm still mm. gonna buy it day one because i just yeah. it's, their games are just too good to pass up on Oh, I, I almost was bored of them and then Red Dead like because I played GTA like three times and I was just thinking Red Dead can't be that good even though I love Red Dead 1 and then Red Dead 2 just really I've played it for two years straight and I think that's something there and they, they know how to do it just I, I can't wait to see what they do next yeah absolutely but uh, what's another studio that you're thinking on so I've got Oh no! I can get rid of Rockstar from my list. I've got two or three left. How many more have you got left? I only have one more. Okay, so let's. I'm going to put two together because I think they kind of match. Okay. Bethesda and Ubisoft. Yes. Well, yes to uh, Bethesda. <laughs> so I, I kind of think of the two studios because they're also big publishers, as a, like a the, the bigger sales, but they they make games that are known as. Bethesda games or Ubisoft games. So if you think of Bethesda game studios, the main group, they're Fallout and Elder Scrolls, really. Yeah. And which are two really quite similar games, even though they're set in completely different places and have a few different systems. And I, I just completely adore Bethesda. Those two types of games, Fallout and Elder Scrolls, are just two of my. A, like, I remember. It's a particular brand of RPG that's very accessible yeah. and just really damn good. It's why I think <clears throat> the Outer Worlds worked so well. It's because it was, it was basically just like that that formula. It was the Bethesda mm. RPG formula. And like I like those type of RPGs. And yeah, um, yeah it's like, it's a, I think it's, it's a little bit of everything we've talked about writing, gameplay, all that stuff. It's just like, it's, yeah, they're so consistent. And sure, they've had some, uh, like Rockstar, they are a single player company. They do not make the best online experiences, mm. you know. And people, I know people love um, some of these online games like that. This is just how uh, I feel. But like Fallout 76, man, what a not a good game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I won't download that even though it's on Game Pass. I'm not interested. But um, it's so boring. In terms of everything else, like I think Bethesda is interesting because it's like 
they make really unpolished games like they yeah. they make really mucky games there's a lot of dirt and gravel in there and i i don't know there's something just i remember i was in physics with my laptop in a, in a physics class when i when skyrim came out and i'd got it to run on my mac via some wizardry this is probably eight years ago and i remember playing it and just first time i saw a dragon just thinking oh my god there is a world here a universe here and i think yeah. um a lot of people say your first Elder Scrolls will be your favorite, and still to this day, Skyrim's my favorite. I can't yeah, really I agree. 100%. Do the other ones, but maybe that's because it's my first. And I think there's something to that. The way they just shove it full of stuff, like Fallout and Elder Scrolls, are just so full of like books and things to read and pointless quest lines. That even there's so many quest lines that there's not even ones that there was ones that aren't interesting. Like they're not they're not the type of studio where every corner of the map is perfect but there's just so much stuff in there. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I love, I just, I love the way it feels like a unique world that doesn't exist. The world Rock, building Rockstar's is great. superb. Yeah. Yeah. Rockstar's great, but it's realistic ish. Uh, yeah. I'll talk about Ubisoft in a second, but they do like historical tourism. This is, you know, this is a fantasy land either in the yeah. future after an atomic bomb or in the past future where there's dragons, who knows? And everyone's Nordic. Like, I don't know. I just think that's like gaming at its most pure, just like, Hey, here's nonsense world that you can live in for a bit. And Bethesda's made what three brilliant fallout games. Yes. Fallout four is in that list. I like fallout four. I like fallout and four too. Yeah. Th three brilliant Elder Scrolls games. So I trust them. <laughs> yeah. And also it's like, it's like not only do they develop really great games, so they've been a little bit of a rut, but I think Starfield might really redeem them and you know and such. I'm really excited to see what the future of Bethesda is. But they also the the games are not the games, but the studios under their umbrella are also fantastic. Like it's software, the creators of the first person shooter genre, you know, with like the last two Doom games are brilliant. They're so good. And you and Wolfenstein from Machine Games is superb, and um, I really liked um, e the Evil Within games too that came out a few years ago. I would love a third one because, despite mm -hmm. some issues I have with those games, I think they're still like really, really solid. Uh, Sh Shinji Mikami, isn't it? The Resident Evil. I believe director. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and just countless others. Like, there's just so much talent in so Don't many awesome about studios. Arcane, Dishonored. Arcane, yeah. Oh my god, I can't believe I. Thank you, thank you. I was, I knew I was, I was missing one, but yeah, like Dishonored, awesome. Prey is awesome. Yeah. Prey is now on Game Pass. People go play Prey. A lot, a lot of people played that game. It's superb, and it's well, arguably one of the greatest openings to any video game ever made, easily. Um, the reason I mentioned Arcane is because I know you like them, and I've yeah. never played an Arcane game. Play <laughs> Prey, dude. It's so no, I'm good. Start, I'm starting with Dishonored one. Okay, that's and then fair. I'll do that's great. And, and then I'll do also Deathloop. Like I, I'm going to talk about Deathloop every week until that game comes <laughs> out because it looks so good, it looks so stylish, and just oh man, I can't. Type of game wait. where I'll, I'll be so happy watching it on YouTube and stuff because it's so, it looks so fun to watch. I, I think I'll just be happy watching people play it. Yeah, at least for a while until I get a PS5 or it comes to Xbox. Oh, it's a timed exclusive, so it will come to Xbox eventually. So Probably you just have to be months. really patient. Mm. Yeah, I've got enough games to play until then. It's, yeah, it's you'll you'll about. be fine. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll just talk about 
I'll talk about it for for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to hear about but, it. Then, then the same kind of thing I find is Ubisoft. So they have, uh, they're massive. They're way bigger than Bethesda, and they they publish a load of crap games, a load of great games. But their main studio, I think, it's Montreal, as well as like Quebec and the one in Sofia in uh, Bulgaria. Yeah, that f- does the Assassin's Creed games. I. Maybe it's just because they've been part of my life growing up as well. But there's something about them. I know I said earlier, they're not big or clever. They're video gamey video games. They know that they're video games. And sometimes they're a bit too checklisty. checklisty. They're time. never really well written. But Oh, their writing is god awful. <laughs> yeah. But there's such exquisite like historical tourism that like nothing else does. I remember when I uh, was growing up playing Assassin's Creed 2. And then... I was on a school trip in Florence and I knew the way around and I knew what buildings were called because of that game. And that feeling of like, I know this place because of the Renaissance Italy that Ubisoft built. And I think there's something to that. And the the size of their teams means that they can build these astonishing worlds that you can just kind of check boxes in, but you get to live in it and you get to see things like, uh, my favorite Assassin's Creeds are like Brotherhood, Black Flag. Uh, I did like Unity. It just looks really bad. So I, you couldn't really enjoy the world because everything was popping in all the time. Yeah. But then also the last. And such. Yeah. But then the last three uh, Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla, I've loved. One, because the RPG mechanics just make it more interesting. Uh, and also because the the writing is like less oppressive. It's less like every five minutes there's a story beat it's like go do some stuff then there's a story beat if it's rubbish you can just kind of ignore it but the worlds they built there like especially ancient greece i i did a degree in classic so that's that's translating latin and ancient greek i spent the decade of my life studying this stuff so getting ancient greece in this way was just like amazing and i still think that's the reason most people love those games is just the fact that this world exists because they've built it and i don't know anyone else who does it to that extent yeah i i have a weird relationship with um with ubisoft and uh i don't value them that highly i'm sorry ben um <laughs> one of my favorite video games of all time is Roma six siege i have like literally like i thought like a thousand hours i think in Roma six siege mm. um and I don't really get into online games, especially online competitive games, but there are a few exceptions like like Siege and Overwatch or games like I can play any day, anytime. I just love those games. Um, other than that, though, I don't really like their games. Um, I like some of the Far Cry games. Far Cry 3 and 4, um, I really loved. Uh, Far Cry 5 uh, had a great opening and then kind of fell off by the end. I'm intrigued by the next one, but not i'm cautiously optimistic about it i do love john carlo esposito who's playing the bad guy and he's a fantastic bad guy in everything he's in um i don't think assassin's creed are that good games i'm going to say here and right now they're not that good uh i just think i just can't stand the writing and the voice acting is always so bad in all those games i just i can't stand it you know in valhalla every child is american Oh really? Every, every single child has an American accent, and it is so <laughs> irritating. Clearly, they just like you know couldn't get child child actors outside of America or something. But it's the most irritating thing ever. And like I have a I have eight 
laundry list of issues with Assassin's Creed games. I wish they would spend another year on every single one of them before they come out just to polish them. And just like the, the litany of bugs in Valhalla. And it's been out for however many months. Like four months. They're still hey. getting... Yeah. And then like, uh, they know that the games come out like that, but they, no matter how many times they're like, we're going to take a year off. They then start the machine and they churn them out and they churn them out. And yeah, I wish they were a bit more careful, a bit less like they were just shitting them out. They're yeah. still great worlds to explore. Well, it's but funny they that you mentioned so many that. issues. It's funny that you mentioned that because I saw literally this morning there was a uh, launcher, which is the Washington Post's um, uh, like video game division mm. essentially. And um, they come out all sorts of great stuff, but they had a, uh, an article about how there's a game breaking bug in Valhalla and the game's been out for like four months now and it's yeah. still there. And it's like, that's unacceptable. Like there's yeah. a game breaking bug and it's still there. And they, like their tweet was like, is this game breaking bug still in the game? Answer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I like the idea of Assassin's Creed. I like going to different times and, you know, in our human history and different you know places and stuff like that i think it's all brilliant ideas like i love all things nordic and whatnot and uh like so i would like to play valhalla just because i like all that stuff like i think norse mythology is fascinating i i i i think it's partially also just because i'm a huge metal head and uh those countries have a huge history with heavy metal and stuff like that um, especially and Norway tattoo, and Sweden. You can tattoo your Eivor as well with lots of awesome designs. I know you're into tattoos. Oh yeah, I love tattoos and body modifications and stuff like that. I have a, I have plenty of my own. Um, so like, there's all these things I want. I like. I would love to play Valhalla. I just I know I'm not gonna be able to stomach it because I I tried playing through um, Origins and I I played a good chunk of it, but. I couldn't deal with the writing and the voice acting. I, like that's what kills me. And also, I just felt it got a little repetitive for me. And like the world's just way too big. I thought it was over. I was I was just bloated as hell. And then honestly, I thought this the setting was way better. But again, I I'm like man, I don't care about this plot. I don't care about these characters. This Cassandra character is supposed to be better than the male care than the the brother that you can also play, like that you could play as you get to choose between the brother and sister. I'm glad I chose her, and she was pretty good. But there's some of the lines that she had to deliver. I'm like, ooh, ouch, you know. And then literally every person I would interact with who would give me a quest had oh, it sounded like someone who's never acted in their life trying to read lines. And I'm like, yeah, it's just like it's too much. Like you just can't have a single player story driven game and just have bad acting and bad writing like that. You just can't. Mm. And I, I just don't yeah. get how they continue to turn that out. I remember when <laughs> Valhalla came out, I was like, I'm going to hold off and wait for reviews. And I saw the game is completely broken. And so I, that's a main reason why I didn't. And then um, I don't know if you follow Gene Park. Um, he's from, he, yeah. he works at the launcher at Washington post and stuff like that. And he was playing, I think he wrote the review for, for it, or at least I know he was writing some stuff on it and he was, he was playing it and stuff like that. And so I tweeted at him. I was like, Hey Gene, um, does it still have the awful voice acting and writing? Cause that's <laughs> what killed me of, of Odyssey and origins. He goes, yeah, yeah, it's still bad. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm not going to play this game. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think, Yeah completely agree with you i think i think uh valhalla is slightly better because it goes it leans more into comedy so the okay. voice acting is bad 
in a funny way and in, in a lot of cases it's very on purpose which i quite like but then there's also you know american children running around yeah. in england <laughs> and a- avor's decent i think everyone was like cassandra's so 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 good so much better than the male uh one in odyssey i thought she was fine the male one was worse but like these aren't like dramatic performances these are quite standard i need to get this line out to make the quest go further yeah and avor does the same thing in this one i'm playing as female avor just because again everyone said she was a better voice actor but who i don't know i got get to the point where i just like he really cares there's definitely more characterization in valhalla that you care about or at least i care about and i've i 100 percented odyssey because i'm an idiot (laughs) but i I didn't care about any character in that. Yeah. Barely even cared about Cassandra. Whereas this one, I'm taking my time on with it. And there are some more well-rounded characters, but then there is this, the problem Ubisoft always has is they just don't build characters in an interesting way. Not only do they look just really plain, but then they, they don't have a backstory. It's like, Oh, I've got three aspects of my character and you're going to find them out in your first conversation with me. And then from there, we'll just do quests. Like, that's how they do it. And I just find yeah. that so dull. But that's not, again, that's not what I'd go to them for. I think, I think I have such a big, long list of issues with them. But it's also because I spend so much time with them and I love every other bit of them so much. Yeah. Like, and I think that's important is to love something, but yet to critique it, you know? Mm. I think that there's people who just can't see that you can do both. You know, you can love yeah. something and criticize <laughs> yeah. it, you know? Like, yeah. It's, it's okay to criticize things you love there are people who just have to like shit all over something that they hate and that and then praise every single all the aspect of the things they love and i'm like that's just that's and especially with our job too it's like you know like we're you know we're journalists we report you know like things objectively and whatnot but it's also our job to analyze things and you know critique them and th- stuff like that like that's mm-hmm. what a game review is you know and you could review like if you wrote a review of valhalla you know you would be I like give it a nine even though i love it i wouldn't be able to say nine or ten yeah because it as a game reviewer i understand standing back from this there are so many other better games than that but yeah. for what i want from it and also because i go in with the expectation of assassin's creed i understand what they are yeah. i know exactly what i want from it and i can go in and grab it whereas i couldn't say to another player you will enjoy this until I've set those expectations that I have 10 years of history of like yeah. of playing those games. So I think that's, that's the way to do it. You, my heart says 10 out of 10. My head says seven out of 10. So I'll probably go for an eight. <laughs> yeah. Like I've done that. Like I remember there's an indie game that came out last year called carry on. And I really didn't love it mm. when I played it. I was really bored and I found it extremely tedious and annoying and stuff like that. I gave it a seven out of 10, even though in my heart, I probably would give it like maybe a five or so. Cause yeah. there was nothing like foundationally wrong with it. And it was really hard to express myself of those issues. Or if you look at The Last of Us Part 2, The Last of Us was my favorite video game until The Last of Us Part 2 came out. And so I obviously mm-hmm. had high expectations, but I had to like level it out and look at it objectively. And I still gave yeah. it a 10 out of 10 because that game is a goddamn masterpiece. But um, you know, it's like it, it it's a challenge as a game reviewer, especially yeah. when you have history with something. But I think that can also benefit you as a reviewer when you do have history with it. Because 
if you don't like assassin's creed games don't review assassin's creed you know like only people who like those games and have history of those games should be reviewing them because then you can really look at it and also compare to previous games and really look at how are they improving it how are they not stuff like that like there's a lot of nuance Mm. that goes with it so i feel like i write much better reviews when i know more about the history of the game and i'm more experienced in it yeah exactly the games or the studio or something like that that's why yeah. i i hope i can snag my review for Deathloop and for um ratchet and clank because i have histories with those companies and like i'm lo- really looking forward to those games and stuff like that you know so you know obviously yeah i agree but um also i wanted to because there's another um major franchise i want to talk about for ubisoft though and that's watchdogs which is um uh, something they keep making games for and i don't know why <laughs> like i i played the first one i actually thought it was not bad it's, it's not that bad as people made it out to be i think it's i i love the mechanics of the gameplay and stuff like that i thought the world was kind of cool um obviously the main protagonist aiden or whatever that dude's name was was super bland and just not likable at all i played a chunk of watchdogs 2 it's Ubisoft games are outside of Siege and maybe a couple others are usually pretty bad on PC. And I played Watch Dogs 2 on PC. It's not optimized well. My PC should be able to run that game smoothly. It does not. I constantly get frame drops and like setters and stuff like that. Plus also, I hated the tone. I just don't like, I don't think Ubisoft does humor well. I just don't, I just don't find their games humorous or like mm. quirky or or likable or whatever um i just don't like i just personally just like it's not my it's not my humor um so i just Mm. didn't really like the tone i loved san francisco and the world and i love the use of technology and like hacking stuff and whatnot is super fun um i didn't play legion um i had two friends who were playing it and they were both loving it one of them quit because his game got corrupted and when he contacted ubisoft support they kind of shrugged at him and were like yeah there's nothing we can do and he goes you can go to hell and just never played the game again and our friend who just he just dropped off he was just like yeah yeah this he's like this is great and then just stopped playing it you know i th- i think they were trying to do what happened with assassin's creed with watchdogs i think they've been trying to do that like assassin's creed one is fine and then they kind of broke through with two and then three perfected it and like watchdogs one was fine i didn't play two but it felt like they broke through a bit more like at least the more west coast games journalists were talking about it because of the location and then legion felt like it had so much buzz around it so many people talking about these systems and things and yeah. i was really excited about you know running around london yeah the world looks awesome. Then you actually, then you see it, and and the character models look just like the Vikings in Assassin's Creed, except with different outfits on, and voice <laughs> acting's just as bad, and everybody sounds like they're detached from their own bodies, and it's just like, oh, I don't need to buy this game if it if it's on a big sale, I'll play it to check out London yeah. and do some missions. I heard but I the just... positives of Legion were very high, but the lows of it were very low, and it kind of killed me. Yeah, and it's 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 the thing Ubisoft has. I really think they just have this kind of base framework for games and the way they build them. And I think it must be an understanding of like compulsion loops and things that they must research and things that keep people playing because they're building all these systems of monetization into these single player games. They must have some feedback on all of that and why they build it in this way. But for me, it's just like, you don't, they're not as engaging they're not engaging because of the game design. Most of the time they're engaging because of the world design, which isn't there. They didn't 
always design it you know it's like built by the reality and then they morph it slightly yeah so um it, it would be nice to see yourself do something uh i something will is end- like exciting as assassin's creed 2 yeah i will end our discussion on us ubisoft on a more positive note because they obviously have had huge issues um as a company you know in the last like year or so because of you know all these like sexual harassment and all the sexicity and like mm. all this stuff and i know one of their like creative heads or whatever was like one of the culprits behind it and he um since he's out there and i guess and he had so much power over the whole company you know like he was i can't i'm blanking on the dude's name but because he's a huge piece of shit does it really matter um true and but he but he had so much control creative control over everything he would green light things or give it the thumbs down or whatever you know and i think because it was was tommy francois just so you know Gotcha, gotcha. Just um, f- feel like he should be named and shamed. <laughs> yeah, um, but, you know, it's like, it's, but it's like they had some of these head people who were had all this control, and it's like, without that though, and now maybe that the teams can actually have more creative freedom. And I think in the long run, it actually might help them. So maybe not in the next Far Cry. Maybe, may, you know, we might see some improvements, but maybe in the next couple of years you know maybe two maybe next year maybe two three years after that we'll start to see a change in their games hopefully and actually see something better and um yeah. some see some improvements and whatnot um hopefully because they definitely have the talent like there is like some serious top-notch people working mm. there there's this something about the way they're doing things that's holding them back and mm. i just hope they can get it figured out and start putting out some great games again because i have not I, really cared for anything in a while i like the fact that i can say that they're one of my favorite game publishers like ubisoft montreal's one of my favorite game devs yet they have so many issues because that shows like they do have something special and they yeah. can definitely get that back oh i 100 percent agree but speaking of companies that i i legitimately can't really think of any issues for is from software <laughs> dude they're so good it's insane uh, I don't think they've ever made a bad game, have they? Like <laughs> even well, the old like, ones. It, it, it's funny. It's like people talk about some from software, and we're going to be talking about from software in a light that's more about um, what Miyazaki has done. Because like they've been making games since I'm looking at it here. Their first game came out in 1994, with Kingsfield. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking at half these games. I know what Armored Core is, and I know I've played one of the Armored Core games. Um, I think it was Armored Core 4, I think I played or whatever. Um, but other than that, like, they weren't like a household name or anything like that, you know? Like, if it was like the early to mid-2000s and you said, oh, I love From Software, people would go, what are you talking about? But mm-hmm. Miyazaki getting like more creative power, you know, within that company and whatnot, and with Demon Souls... And then the Dark Souls games came out and stuff like that. Like that's what brought them to the next level. And if you look at, you know, they used to make a ton of different games and stuff like that. But since then, it was Dark Souls, then like Armored Core and like a couple other games, like in like three other games. So it's like about four different games, then Dark Souls 2. Then they made um, just DLC for that and Bloodborne. And then they did some Monster Hunter diary thing. And then they did Dark Souls 3 one other game then Sekiro and then Elden Ring like they've narrowed it because they found their niche they found their audience 
which is so important for like any company is to find your audience. And Miyazaki, um, I think he's now, I actually think he's higher up in the company now. I think he's like now president of the company or something like that. I know he's kind of risen through the ranks big time because yeah, he was kind of like low level. He's definitely he's, the CEO of the company. Oh, really? Right? No. Yeah, CEO, but, I think. Wasn't he CEO last time I heard? No, I think he's, no, he's, he's, uh, I'm looking at now and it says he's, um, president. Uh, oh, he's, he's president, uh, wow. from software. Uh, I don't I, know who the honest, CEO. I don't, I also don't really know the difference between a president and a CEO. So <laughs> don't really know what difference that makes. Oh, okay. <laughs> there, there you go. But, um, but he's yeah, just a I think, genius. I think there's you know? this, um, whenever you hear him interviewed or talk he was like 30 when he kind of started at FromSoft and he just he liked games he loved fantasy stuff he loved like uh uh he loved George R.R. R. Martin's writing and things like that like and he wanted to you know work on something more and Dark Souls I think uh, Demon's Souls sorry was a bit of a, a struggling project that people were kind of giving up on half giving up on that he was kind of given a lot of control over because I think more important people were focused on more important things. And I think that kind of that ability to unashamedly make something that no one else has and not, f not fall to like conventions in game design is why they've managed to be so unbelievably successful. Yeah. But also because they're, you know, like Miyazaki took a lot from their history. He looked at Kingsfield when he was putting together Dark Souls. He will have looked through everything that uh, FromSoft has made. And I think like that ability to make sure that the the teams are like honoring what's come before and pushing things forward. I think Miyazaki's clearly a figurehead, but also I I would can't imagine what sort of unsung heroes there are there. Like. Oh, yeah. because these games are massive and beautiful especially now like Sekiro and Dark Souls 3 are gorgeous games yeah it's like and that takes a lot their of art direction is maybe they, yeah. they don't have necessarily the best graphics in the world like I'm playing through Dark Souls 3 right now for like the millionth time my first time on PC <laughs> but I've played a billion times on PS4 mm. like graphically they're pretty good games like even Sekiro it's graphically it's good but their art direction is like top tier you know it's some of the best art direction the music in their games is always so incredibly epically and beautifully composed and like you said their like their game design is so unique it's familiar enough as like there are their action games and their rp you know, the rpg elements and stuff like that but they're just so unbelievably polished and so well done obviously they're not for everyone because they're so hard you know but yeah. I think that helps them find their audience. And so when they come out with a new game, like within this sort of this genre that they've found, like, you know, you're doing something right when people look at a completely different game made by another studio and they go, oh, that's a, that, that's a Souls-like, you know? Like, yeah. we have roguelikes well, and we have Metromania type games and stuff like that, but yeah. now we have Souls-likes. And that's, I think that I think speaks for itself. Just inventing a genre in and of itself is something really, really special that doesn't happen very much. PUBG kind of did it, but I think that's more inventing a game mode. It doesn't, I don't think it counts because it's just a type of shooter. Yeah. But Dark Souls isn't just a type of RPG. Like, yeah. no, it is, a, that's why it needs its own name. And I think that's just so special. It doesn't happen that often. And you also just 
think about the kind of creativity and game design imagination that is required to not only do that, to break the mold when there's so many video games coming out and so many RPGs, but then to do it again and again and, and Bloodborne and Sekiro and whatever Elden Ring will end up being. But it, it's not just going to be Dark Souls 4. It will push the boundaries of what a Souls like can be in a way that no copycat of a Souls game could ever do because yeah. I just, I've never seen anybody truly get what those games are about. I just feel like no one's quite, just no one's going to get as good as FromSoft anytime soon. It's not that I've played, but I know there's there's a few that I know have like people really love. Like I know uh, Neo and especially like Neo Two. I know there are like kind of Souls like games, and people really mm-hmm. love those games. So there are some out there. I just personally haven't played those games, but I know there's some out there. But yeah, for the most part, though, when a um, a Souls like kind of game comes out, it goes, it's just going to get compared to from software games. It's you know, it's like yeah. it's so hard to tackle. And like you said, it's each game not only continues the quality but it reinvents things it you know it's Mm. evolving you know it doesn't feel like they're just putting out the same thing you know there's the hallmarks you go this is definitely a from software or souls like whatever you want to call it you know type of game but it's different like Sekiro (laughs) was such a huge difference you know while also still Mm. being the core of what these games are and it's just it's brilliant and like you said there's probably so many unsung heroes like you know what, when you said, when you mentioned that, like mentioned how many unsung heroes there are at the studio, you know, that we don't know who their names are, but they're probably doing phenomenal work and stuff like that, who made probably that awesome armor that you love the design of or yeah. composed the music or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I think of it, it in a way, I always, I think of Marvel because I, I, I'm a, like I said this last week, I'm a huge Marvel guy and everyone gives all the credit to Kevin Feige, who's the president of Marvel Studios and stuff like that as like this brilliant producer. And he is what might be the greatest movie producer of all time. But it's like there's still people who write the scripts, of these shows and movies, the people who are, this, you know, cinematography and like acting and, you know, like there's a million people who who go behind and make awesome these awesome marvel movies and same thing for from software games it's not all miyazaki even though miyazaki is definitely the figurehead who comes up with these wild ideas and and if you look in if you read interviews with them it makes sense though like it makes so much this makes sense when you look at his influences of hp lovecraft or of not fully like he would read these books in english not fully understand it and fill in the gaps and i think that's why their games are so cryptic too because they don't have like some big like we've been talking about so many of these narrative games and stuff like that their games are narrative but they're very cryptic and abstract and i think that's partially because he didn't fully understand a lot of things he was reading he was filling stuff in his head and he kind of wants that experience for people is to not fully understand these games so they so you can fill things in your own head and kind of had your own interpretations i think that's such a brilliant way of going approaching um storytelling and world building and lore and stuff like that it's just it's genius i i think dark souls one has one of if not the best narrative in any video game ever and it doesn't have any storytelling mechanisms that are easily recognizable but i think it is one of the most perfect stories because you're just finding out about something that has happened yeah that's all you're doing and then yeah. and that's it and then and then you decide what's going to happen next nothing you do is 
like other than three to five story beats is actually an interesting story you could probably write it on a page half a page but everything that came before is a whole galaxy of stories and it's just that kind of thing it's that you're not important everything's already happened pick up the scraps and work it out it's just it's just wonderful and they have probably the best level design out there i'm gonna call it now they do have the best level design you know like like, miyazaki like even though we're saying like other people do stuff he you know he drew out levels on napkins and stuff like he's integral to building those worlds and yeah they are just especially like dark souls one especially but all of them are just just genius like just wonderful wonderful i think the 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 art direction and the the logic of the universe also allows them to do things that other games would seem really obvious with like enemy placement in those games would seem a bit wrong in other games but the way the world is built they make it fit so that it's the best game design rather than the most realistic looking thing because they changed the art and they've they've created this own world where you can have people hiding in bushes and things without feeling like that's just a silly trap. You feel like that's, you can look in the window and it's a weird crow man who's hiding and demented because there's loads of monsters over there. And that just makes sense within this one scene. Yeah. And I, I love it. It's just perfect. Something they do that, like you usually only find in open world games or like if you play Red Dead and you find uh, something like a bunch of Ku Klux Klan members trying to burn a cross and they all catch on fire and stuff like that. Mm. You feel like you found that, like that's something in this world that you found. But they're but from software, they don't make open world games like that. Yet you find things like that where you feel like you found it, you know, and it's so mm. satisfying. Like you find an invisible wall and there's a tr- like there's an item there or something like that. It can be s- as simple as that. And you go, wow, I found that. You know, I found this hidden little thing that no one else found, you know, stuff like that. Like you get this sensation of discovery and it's just like, it's like what you said earlier. It's just their level design is just incredible. Like Dark Souls 1, it's crazy because when you look at individual like parts of that game, all the levels in that game feel like they're disconnected, but you always remain where you started in the very beginning of the game like every part of that game is all connected they're all it's all one map essentially you know and it's crazy like i'm replaying dark souls 3 and uh and orlando is an area from dark souls 1 that's in dark souls 3 you know it's like that's just brilliant yeah. it's just so crazy that they did that yeah no and and the thing like the thing that dark souls 2 didn't do which i think lets it down a bit is it's the honest logic of, of the world. Like it's honest geometry. Like it yeah. actually is as long as it looks from outside when you're yeah. inside. Whereas Dark Souls 2 didn't do that. I think that's really powerful because it you can feel the space around you. Like Dark Souls 1 is a visceral yeah. space where you see like a broken window and you think about why that's broken. And then you find a monster and you think, well, why would that monster be here? Like yeah. why is the Capra demon in the... Uh, just before the depths i've forgotten what the area is but there's a cap one capra demon there with two dogs and then way later when you finally get to the demon ruins you find a crap ton of capra demons why is there just one there and like it's all these little things and and they just make sense 90 percent of the time sometimes like in dark souls 1 dlc they just shove bosses that didn't make it into the main game into the dlc and maybe they don't bother explaining it but you know what i mean like 95 percent of the time there's a reason that certain things are somewhere and you can just, you just have to read enough items and talk to enough people and look at enough stuff as well. Like 
the best thing about Dark Souls is it's all about looking and not enough games tell you, take a look. Yeah, exactly. They, they tell you, hey, look over here instead of yeah. you, you being like, hey, is there something over there? And, and from software's like, I don't know, maybe, yeah. <laughs> you know, she's yeah. like, go find out yourself. Don't ask us. You know, and I, I love that. It's like, I hope more people in the industry start to take a look at their stuff, you know, and actually take note and actually realize what works, you know, and why it works. Cause I think they could really change the industry and make game design as a whole across the board better. If people just take the time and realize, be like, and, but at the same time, you need someone crazy, just brilliant and talented, like these developers, you know, at that team. Mm -hmm. And that is just something you just can't like, you can't just go into a meeting and figure that out. You know, like that is just like, you just can't buy that, you know, or you can't just, you like know, the working out. The, there are people who do this a lot and they're all indie devs. So obviously, yeah. you know, we're talking about our favorite game studios because of our history with them. Yeah. Uh, but indie devs are like big companies like Ubisoft aren't going to take risks. So it's yeah. so nice to see that a triple a massive money studio has created this massive whole new genre out of it. Obviously there's loads of indie games that I adore. I'm big into the indie scene it's sad that they're the only people that take risks and they don't get anywhere near as much credit for it. But that's just also how it goes. All we need to see is more of these inventive indie developers getting a chance with more money just because let's say Microsoft wants to give them money because they need more games and doing things like that. And then everybody will be better as well. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, maybe they're going to take huge risk at Jade Raymond's, uh, new studio too you know that'd be cool too so would be very cool i'd love to see just a triple a game that does things in a way that i've not seen before just like dark souls and we we get them occasionally like control i don't know if you played control and um yeah i've actually stopped with control i i I really i really like it no i like it but i just i stopped and i don't want to go back (laughs) i don't i'll wait until i want to again but shame on you but Overall, Ben, that was a great chat. Yeah. Solid I, episode. I, I love talking about video games. It's great. <laughs> Same here. I, I too like talking about video games. What do you know? <laughs> but uh, what a surprise. That, yeah. That's it for this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can check out the King Gamer podcast every Thursday. And until then, we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye.